0: Welcome back to the Devin Kershaw Show. I'm Nat hers from Fasterskier.com. This is it. This is the last episode of the 2022-23 World Cup season. We've got recaps of three days of racing from LATI, two of them which were pretty exciting, and then we get into a fairly lengthy discussion of the future of cross-country skiing in America in relation to some high-profile retirements. We'll be back at some indeterminate point, not in the too distant future, after a little bit of a break. And we're grateful for a big season, looking forward to coming back to you over the summer with some amount of regularity. And that's it, we'll be back after this message. Are you or a skier you know looking to extend your cross country racing career? The Craftsbury Green Racing Project is now accepting applications for the 2023-24 training year from skiers and biathletes who can receive coaching, WAC support, and room and board. Whether you're interested in the traditional Green Racing Project residential approach or off-campus options offering those with an existing career a way to be part of the team, the Green Racing Project is eager to talk with you. The Green Racing Project also has summer options for under twenty-three skiers and biathletes pursuing college degrees while competing at a high level. Learn more about your options and apply today at greenracingproject.com. You got to finish messaging uh, Clabo and. Uh, I'm actually, messaging
1: I'm actually messaging Alex. Oh. Uh, we banter. We banter quite a bit, and. Um, He has his namesake race, so there's a fun... It's actually a a really great idea in Mont-Saint-Anne. People that have been skied in the Mont-Saint-Anne Nordic Trails in in Quebec, near Quebec City, they're amazing. They they actually are amazing. And in the spring is the time to go because skiing in Mont-Saint-Anne in early January probably is like got to be one of the worst experiences known to man because it's minus 30 and cold i've done it plenty of
0: times me too. Me too. It,
1: yeah it's beautiful but it's cold as balls and and if you go there in the spring it's yeah i think it's one of the nicest places to go cross-country skiing in the world actually so anyways alex has been instrumental in well essentially loaning his name out for a fundraiser loppet or a bit like end of season race um called the alex harvey classic at the, uh, that's happening, happening soon. And last year he took part and beat everyone. He beat Tony Sear. He beat Olivier. He beat everybody and he won. And I was just texting him. Uh, we were just been bantering back and forth and I'm like, Tony was eighth again. So another top 10 in the world cup for Tony yesterday in the 20 K classic. So I said, if you, <laughs> if you beat Tony in the Alex Harvey classic, um, uh, ski race, that's coming up here, then you have to drop what you're doing and make a comeback. I'm sorry. Like like if you're beating a guy that's been top 10 in the number of world cups in the season, then stop what you're doing, Alex, and and do a comeback.
0: Well, I think that all makes sense. Uh, I would like to add that um, both Devin Kershaw and Nat Hurst are available to loan our names out to uh, whatever charitable uh, Lopit type events (laughs) anyone would like. I also, uh, I also would like, to uh I, I got a request yesterday that i feel like yeah. uh we should be more than happy to fulfill it's like do you ever were you ever around we had that this show on national public radio in america called wait wait don't tell me yeah uh, of course yeah could, so you could get Car- you could get carl castle's voice on your answering machine you know like that was the big yeah. selling point so um i got a request yesterday from a friend i i just i love this it's i can't get over it but but she was like our friend's mom is a dedicated listener uh, and our friend was wondering if you guys could wish her a happy birthday on the Devin Kershaw show, and I was like, "Absolutely!" Until we're well, getting hundred we of these, until we're getting a hundred of these requests per week. You we know, don't have a hundred
1: listeners; it's fine.
0: <laughs> we, we've got time. So, Gretchen Van Deeson from Olympia, Washington, uh, we we just want you to know that we we appreciate your uh, support of the and loyal listening. Uh, of the Devin Kershaw show and anyone else, uh, who wants us to birthday shout out, we're available.
1: And um, we're wishing you the happiest of birthdays. So I hope you're out on a ski or a run listening to this and laugh out loud in your AirPods while your AirPods are in and go like, oh my gosh, two. Yeah. Who's just wished me happy birthday on <laughs> one of 100 million podcasts that are out there in the podcast universe, but we are wishing you happiest of birthdays. So absolutely. People want to that. What a, what a great, this is great. As this is the last episode of the racing season where we'll get to the races. Don't worry. But, um, I've got another thing. So another thing I got as some housekeeping. Um, so, you know, this never ceases to amaze me. You know, this Nat, one of our listeners, I am a avid, avid New Yorker addict. And the reason why I'm going to fail all my med school exams is because New Yorker's come every week and there's a lot of good writing and goddamn I can't put it down. So Bill McKibben, uh who's a cross country skiing super fan and also New Yorker contributor and all around climate change activist and badass sends sends me uh, an email or sends us an email. I don't know if you were attached on that too did you read that? Okay, so sent me an email. Um, just calling me out, like, so he's, you know, like he's in Washington D.C., you know, blockaded. He's like saying, I'll just read part of it. I won't read the whole thing, but he's like, he's, he's,
0: he's sending it from from prison after his civil essentially,
1: essentially, like he he says he's sitting in a rocking chair on the streets of D.C. blockading the Chase Bank, you know, to try and like def, def, um divest from oil. Uh, oil investments, Um, blah, blah, blah. He's going on and on. And then he starts laughing out loud, loudly. And people around him start asking him like, what's so funny? Like what's going on? And he's chooses not to say that he's listening to a Nordic ski podcast (laughs) of questionable production quality. So he just said like, essentially like, you'll never understand. And he, here's the call out, Nat. Here's the call out. Now I'm glad he sent this to me. Because I was singing the praises of an anonymous Norwegian email I got about the men and women starting together, or not together, but like within like 15 minutes of each other or something for home and colon instead of having the men and women on different days and only one of the genders experiencing the the true home and colon spirit and the other one like literally like going into your friend's house after they hosted a New Year's Eve party. At 3 p.m. on New Year's, because that's what the Sunday race is like uh, at Home and, colon. and and I was quoted saying uh, that has never even occurred to me. And it's true. I said that on the air. I said like, "Wow, what a great idea that has never even occurred to me." <laughs> Last year, Bill emailed us asking about like, why don't they put the men and women's races together? on the same course at the same time as they do with marathon running. And I gave him not one, not two, not three, but four reasons why I trashed Bill's idea one year ago. Um, one, one, one. I was saying that it's the courses are too narrow, be too chaotic and broken poles. The next one, I even brought in like feeding because it would be too hard for the staff to give athletes <laughs> like drinks and food <laughs> fairness I even used fairness in that that like there'd be like women and men like overlapping each other and it could cause like some confusion you never know A equipment could break that sort of thing and then two and then the last one was like the last excuse I I used was I thought like the TV production would be too shitty and we used like five minutes talking about Norway if anyone could do good production quality for this it's Norway so Bill, I am so sorry. And thank you for calling me out on it. The anonymous Norwegian that sent me this wonderful email in Norwegian giving us this idea one year after you did it. I'm sorry he you stole your thunder, Bell. And um I guess there's just too many balls in the air, Nat. I guess there's too you know many what? balls in for me you to let what? that one go. So I'm actually super embarrassed that like one of my favorite writers, a New Yorker contributor, famous author and climate activist, um isn't getting the air in terms about a great idea. So
0: In the end,
1: let's listen to Bill McKibben. Let's listen to this Norwegian dude. Let's put the men and women's 50k on the same day within 15 minutes of each other and everyone have a big 50k party. Let's do it. Fist, get off your ass and make it happen.
0: We're overdue. We're overdue to have Bill join us as as a guest on this program. Uh, I will also say, you know, I think there's an old saying that if you're going to be wrong, at least be inconsistent. So, uh, you know, there's that. So, you know with that I, I think it's it's time to to it's been, you know we're we're 10 minutes deep uh we tried to we tried to secure some guests for this final uh episode of the season we we reached out to uh a young alaskan whose name starts with luke and ends with shager and we also uh tried to secure Rosie Brandon fourth place in the overall but uh it's you know it's busy times everyone's hung over uh from the from DJing and uh drinking aquavit what do they drink in Finland after World Cup finals and then uh, everyone i think everyone's traveling just, today, straight, so. just straight vodka i would imagine i would imagine careful like, if, careful, in, careful. No,
1: no no in finland i don't think they mess around but you know what finnish fans and we have had emails from finnish fans um i would actually like to know what the finnish drink of choice is like so norway has like aquavit um mm-hmm. france has well everything uh wine and cognac everything essentially but um it italy has grappa right like i yeah so a- any listeners a- yeah any Finnish listeners please let us know what the the drink of choice is um the, the most finnish drink you can think of like the the jagger of Finland or whatever. So I'm not sure I'm actually that this is a good research project, but we're going to start with a lame race. Actually, I shouldn't say it's lame, but everyone knows my feelings. Everyone knows my feelings about world cup team sprints, even though I am a fan of the new format. Actually, remember we talked about this earlier in the season. I was like very, very curious if I were going to like this idea where you like each person does like individual qualifiers and then you qualify through that. And then 15 teams go to the final. I love it. It's amazing. Fist, good job, keep it going. Uh, it doesn't change really what I think about the actual team sprint on the World Cup because I just don't really care. Uh, well,
0: but- can, can, I I gotta interject here too, and I don't know if you were gonna get to this, but for the second weekend in a row, we had so many different ways of doing this. You know, we you heard us, you heard me complain last week about them scheduling. The mixed relay with no World Cup points, you know, the weekend before the last weekend. They did the exact same thing this weekend where they put the team sprint where no World Cup points were awarded as the first event of the weekend before a yeah. pretty important for many athletes individual for sprint sure. and an individual distance race. And it's just like, why? 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 It yeah, makes no for sense. Me, for me, for me, it totally, like, I
1: totally agree. I completely agree. And secondly, I think Lati should have three events. Lati is an amazing World Cup venue. It's the, the courses are wonderful. The fans are great. The city is a really like, cross-country friendly city. It, 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 rich history. Newsflash, ditch the team sprint at the World Cup finals. Like Who cares? Like, stop putting team events at the World Cup finals. Like This year, especially when they changed the point scoring system and everything, some of these races were quite tight and exciting to the very end. Some weren't, like the men's overall where label won all the World Cups this year, but some were. And I think this would have been so much better to put in a 10K individual start skate race, for example. You know what I mean? Give Diggins a chance. Give, Give other people a chance. Or or even another sprint, you know what I mean? Like like any any, we- any number of races. A, a skiathlon, for example. How about a skiathlon? Even though I would, if they put a skiathlon here, I would just be bitching about why they put it after the World Championships instead of. But well, at least it, at least it matters. Exactly, at least it matters. So team sprint at the end when there's important races, like stop it. This is stupid. Fist and I are are looking, available- start are looking at your calendar. What are you doing? Yeah. Like this is the problem. You know what though? Here's the problem. I, here's the here's the problem, right? If you're gonna have the fist congresses in like Croatia in late May, early June, like do you think people give a flying shit about all those meetings and workshops they're doing? Like, no, baby, they're in Croatia, they're drinking some wine, eating some great food, going down to the beach, getting a tan, jumping in the ocean. Like they do not like maybe we should put these like fist meetings. Sudbury in Sudbury, Sudbury, Ontario in early December. <laughs> then you, you know what? Every single person in those business meetings is going to the holiday in conference room because like that's where you're staying. And you're eating you're eating your stale ass donut and like Tim Horton's coffee, and you're like, oh my God, I'm here. I might as well listen to these meetings and like actually take part. Let me read the schedule for the first time ever and weigh in on what I think is best. Because like some of these decisions are outrageous. Mm-hmm. But we're that's gonna blast awesome. through the sprints. Cause I don't really care. Is that okay? I mean, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. and I, no, no. Yeah, I mean, I mean, they, 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 well, they, that was
0: the thing. It, it's like, they were this is the wound fist is inflicted on itself. Like they're yeah. all the, like the top athletes except like, uh, except Clabo like, did it. Teams. I mean, like, no, Claybo Pellegrino. It. like, but
1: anyways, Claybo and Volness won. If you thought that they weren't going to win, like, I don't know. I guess you couldn't, there's 15 teams. A lot of, a lot of things could happen. Ooh. Equipment could break, Still. but Valnes is back no. on form. claybo's the best skier in the world. He's good. I was actually pretty impressed with De Fabiani and uh Pellegrino in this one, to be yeah. perfectly honest, because they kept it fairly close. And like De Fabiani, we've talked about him a lot this, this year too. And you know, when De Fabiani's at his best, like he's one of the best years in the world, especially master classic. That's that's his bread and butter. But in these team sprints, he's starting to have like quite a good history of, of delivering, but he's been really inconsistent. I thought they put up a great fight to come in second, honestly. And, while it looks close in time, it was not close in the, I mean, the writing was on the wall. This was not, they were, they were not coming back to like Claybo had this thing signed, sealed and delivered, but regardless, I thought it was a really strong performance by the Italian squad to, to round out the podium. And then like Harald Abundsen, I think like Abundsen is, is an interesting story. We've, we've talked about everyone knows that listens to this, how much I respect him and how much I think he's, he's really like the future of, of Norwegian ski. He's, he's not just a star in the making. He was second five seconds from winning gold in the 15 K individual start skate. He's only 24 years old. Like he's, he's the real deal. And what he's been doing lately at the end of the season here, especially in classic, like what I saw him do in Drammen, like, just flabbergasted me completely. He's known as a skate um, distance skier, really. And he can do some pretty good sprints, especially domestically and skating. He's, he's been quite solid, but, some of his uh, late season races across all disciplines has really surprised me. And, and Scar, who's a, a great skate sprinter, uh, you know, struggled with illness a bit early in the season, not just illness a bit like Corona uh, and then had some great races in the Tour de Ski. And it's just a, it's a tough needle to thread the Norwegian team to get starts and get chances. And, and Scar, Scar and, and Amundsen rounded up the podium and like, really, that's the story. Like Sweden was close in the end to come fourth, and it looked like it was, it, it was kind of touch and go. But I, honestly, even with that, I don't know what you thought, but like, even that like race for third, I felt like was just, it, it was over before I, I, even though like in time. And like when you're watching, you're like, Oh, maybe there'll be some, it was no excitement. Like Norway was going to take that third spot on the podium. That's it. And I'm just going to stop it there because honestly, everything else that happened, like who cares? Honestly, I was surprised that, that uh, Jay and Sean Lava were so bad in eight. Um, but it was like, as we talked about a bit before, like a lot of those exchanges were kind of like dirty, like not dirty, but just like tight for space. And I, I don't know, can we move on from the men's team sprint? Like, I feel like yeah, that's no, what
0: we're done. We're, we're done.
1: We're done. And the women's team sprint, uh, a little more exciting, like they tend to be. Um, but really it was an outclassing by the, by the world champions. I mean, Sunling and Ribom just smashed this to smithereens. But in 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 your point, like you don't see Tirunus Vang. You know what I mean? You, 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 you don't see her starting. And you don't you know, see, see Diggins Shistad. or Rosie Brennan. You don't see Jesse Diggins or Rosie Brennan. You don't even see she's doing this thing. So, like, really, I mean you know what the yeah. highlight of the day was for me for the for the team sprint to be perfectly honest was gimler and rizdick again i, I think like the germans coming in third it, it's um they seem to really they're almost like canada but way better because they actually like get podiums and stuff Where but like the canadian men i i just still can't understand how they show up all the time in team events and deliver um better than their individual performances and 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 Germany too, and the team events. They've. Although Rizic has been really good of uh, late too, and Gimler's having a great season in the sprints. But regardless, that that was the kind of the highlight of the, that. That's what I, jumped out at me today. I, was, I don't know. Oh, not was, today I, on Friday. I, I, I was just, excited. That was cool.
0: I was I was pulling for uh, Finland actually. Um, Yasmin Yonsu and and yeah. Yasmin Kaparo, who's like 22 years old, I think, Junior yeah. World Championship chair, are on yeah. the podium, and um, one, they two, were. Uh, y- y- Yonsu has had like a really impressive couple weeks since World Champion yeah. uh, since World Championships, yeah. and they were they were totally in the mix. Like looked like they were about to be on the podium. I think in what would have been the first. Podium for them at home, I mean, I think they should still be really, really satisfied with, I think they were fourth, they might've been fifth, but it was, they were
1: fourth, fourth, but it was close. I agree that I'm glad you brought that up because, uh, Kahara was, uh, you know, under 23, like a champ at under 23s. And we talked about this a little bit. We didn't go deep into the under 23 and world junior championship this year ever, but, um, Finland was pretty amazing at those championships. And there's a lot of exciting athletes, in both genders in the pipeline in finland and that's awesome because skiing needs a strong finland and it is such a culturally important sport in finland when you're traveling around finland so many of these towns have great cross-country ski trails and like a rich deep history so to see young exciting athletes like antola or um uh kahara and stuff like this is just super exciting so like I'm 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 stoked. I agree. That was okay. Yeah, I just gave all the thunder to Germany getting on the podium. But you're right. Like it would have been so much cooler if the home, the home team with a couple of young, exciting racers could have climbed up onto the podium. But yeah, fourth is amazing, and they're young and they're exciting, and I I just think the future is super bright. So I'm glad you brought that up.
0: So let's let's go on to the the individual sprint because there's there's a lot to talk about here, and I want to start with. The really tight race for the women's sprint globe between Maya Dahlkvist from Sweden and Nadine Feindrich from Switzerland. And we see in the, I think it's the quarters, uh, Maya Dahlkvist is in position to advance a like nuclear level, uh, Katarina Hennig from Germany, like skis into a place she shouldn't be. Maya Dahlkvist breaks her pole and is about to be eliminated until her teammate who's ahead of her moa elar basically snowplows to almost stop to let my get second place automatically advancing into the semis and finals and winning a crystal globe which she likely would not have and so i there's been a lot of discussion about this in the media i i want to hear your take about this Devin.
1: Yeah. Well, my take is maybe going to be a little bit of, it's going to kind of land flat. Like, of course, Ilar stopped. Like this is a 100% must stop situation. I mean, you know, I've been texting a lot with Alex. We we were talking about this, uh, of course. And, and what I love about this discussion is this happens every once in a while. Like it's just kind of, this is a discussion that's happened many times across country skiing. And I don't understand why everyone's so surprised when it just keeps happening in the rare instances that it does. But like, listen, the Swedish women's team is the strongest women's team on earth. And most certainly the strongest women's sprint program ever in the history of women's sprinting. They discussed these things before everyone knows how close this competition is between Fenrik and, and Dahlqvist winning the crystal globe is a humongous deal, not only for Dahlquist, but it's also important for the, for the team Uh, like not, not just sponsors and stuff like that. It, It goes deeper than that. It's almost like, A flex, right? Like we are the best sprint team in the world, and the best sprint team in the world is going to end the season with the Crystal Globe and the gold medal at the championship in the team sprint and the sprint. And guess what? Sundling delivered in the championship, and she would have won the Crystal Globe most likely had she done full seasons. Although, like she said, could also make a claim to that. Seeing how they're both finishing the season, but uh, Dahlquist has skied a consistent season. Really consistent season. And when Ilar stopped like that, it looks hilarious on TV. And it and it, I know it gets a B in everyone's bonnet with um, cross-country skiing because we're not used to that. But at the same time, it's like 100% Ilar should have stopped. And it's always like hilarious to me that Fist disqualifies her. Like, you think Ilar cares? Like, she's like, oh, I was going to be from 13th to 16th, and now you give me a DSQ, like, whoopity do it doesn't matter these people like it, it, this is so irrelevant like it's not a it's not a punishment whatsoever to disqualify her. like it means nothing for Ilar's career or season or anything uh to disqualify her so like should she have been disqualified quite frankly I think we should all just understand that like in these instances this is a professional sport and these globes and these like titles they mean a lot to programs and athletes well, so, and look at it, cycling it, and like it, cycling gives yeah. At I mean, one, like, uh, at, like so many sports in, in a team atmosphere, like, so I, I, I quite frankly, am a little disturbed that this just keeps being a big deal. My wife was involved in this uh, way back in the days, she in the Tour de Ski, when she finished third in the Tour de Ski, she this was a long, long time ago when uh, Ingeveld Osberg was more of a sprinter. Ingveld Lugstad Osberg was a sprinter. She was second in Sochi for people that want to go deep into the archive there and won the team sprint in Sochi with Mara Bjergen. And she wasn't as good a distance gear as she was, as she is now. Um, and in Valmuster, uh, Kristen was like the overall of the tour kind of hope really. And she made it through the quarterfinals. And after that, like there was just a meeting in the Norwegian team. It's like, if Kristen's in a position to advance and you're ahead of her, like you got to let her do it. And like, Ingveld straight up, snowplowed, stopped at the line because she looked back, saw that Kristen was in a position to come, same thing, second, right? And went through. And then, like, Ingveld was crying because she was having a great day and she probably have won the race, let's be honest. And she's won in Val anyways anyways in later years. I think the very next year she won the sprint there. But re- regardless, uh, it was a big thing. And it's like, should she have done that? Shouldn't she have done that? The answer is, of course, she should have done it. 100%. I don't know what your take is on it
0: but that's well, my t- the the only I mean I I think particularly like in Elar's case like Elar has not been on the podium like she's not going to win this race like no. even if she has the greatest day she's ever had and so you know the marginal value to like the Swedish team of her you know f- finishing second and advancing like they yeah I mean I don't I don't have any beef personally with Elar like the only thing that I have been reflecting on and sort of watching like the celebrations of the crystal globe and stuff. I do. It does make me just like feel sad and uncomfortable for Nadine Feindrich. Feindrich Because because it's like, you know, you, you, you know, that, you know, that Feindrich like didn't, you know, anytime she messed up this year or someone else broke her pole or knocked her over, it's not like she had a bunch of swiss teammates who are like oh yeah we'll make room for her in, in the semis and finals and then you know just seeing like the swedes it, you know it's sort of it's sort of like well the yankees were about to lose one game in a best of seven and someone did something that was really cool and sportsmanlike, and then the yankees won again like great let's celebrate this like i'm like it's cool sure. but it's also like oh, i know, agree I agree it would
1: have been a way better story like it we just love cheering on the underdog That that's that's the narrative that resonates with people and it resonates with me like I essentially cursed her after seeing Nadine's fantastic performance in Tallinn and said like third in Tallinn like sign sealed and delivered Fenric is good enough she can be top 10 she's like in my own head I'm like she has to be top 10. Um, because with Shestad and sindling racing so well Ribom was back i wasn't i was just like yeah she just really needs to be top 10 she's going to secure the the globe and in the end the only thing that could have like sh- couldn't have happened happened which was Fenrik ends up nine which wasn't enough because Dahlquist makes it the final the other thing i can't stop thinking about with this is like i know, so yes i agree with you like i wanted Dahlquist to take the thunder and like was a great story. She's had such a phenomenal season in sprinting overall, too. She's had some great distance races. uh The sport needs these kind of characters. And also, Switzerland does, too. And it's fun for Switzerland because, you know, like Dario Colonia, of course, is one of the best skiers that ever lived, but they had some really good men. Uh, they also had some really good women skiers as well. Um, that, that uh, we're kind of knocking at the door. And and when you start having an athlete like Fenric winning multiple World Cups in a single season, like, and then to take a Crystal Globe would have been just so phenomenal for her and the program. But I also like, the like the, just the, 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 the comic tragedy of the whole thing is like, think about your Fenric. Okay. And you're watching this or her staff, the whole thing. And you see like, Jolqvist breaks the pole and you're like, it's happening. Like we're winning the globe. And then, It just happens to be Henning and Elar. It just happens to be her teammate. What are the chances that Dahlquist breaks her pole in a heat with a teammate in front of her that can stop? It it could have been a Norwegian. It could have been an American. It could have been any any other nation in that position at second is not going to like gift Dahlquist the chance. But it just so happened that fate intervened and it happened to be one of the weakest teammates, Dolphus has on the Swedish sprint team. If we're being totally honest, where her
0: giving up her spot in the semis can, can is. Could you imagine? Yeah. Could you imagine if that had been Sundling?
1: Yeah, yeah. I do I'm not sure. I, it would It would have been so fun to right? see. I, but but the right? other thing too. Would like, she have stopped? No. Like the, the question. The, the, the but the answer is too. Like, as good as as Henning was there, like Sundling would have been like. 30 meters ahead of Henning, and then it wouldn't have been over. But but I agree with what you're saying, or you, you don't, it doesn't even have to be a, yeah, nobody, Hogstrom, Halk, who has also had like, not the best season of her life, but is a total boss. She probably would have stopped too, but it would have been really fun. That's true. Like, they would have been cool to see if it was Vibom or Sundling. Would have they have stopped? And the answer is though, you know what the answer is actually? I think they would have. I think they would have. Ah, Sundling, I don't think would have. Because yeah, Sundling is a win. <laughs> And like, yeah. and Sindling is one of the, and the other thing too, here's, here's a little deeper dive and um, is Dahlqvist and, and Frida Carlson aren't even on the national team. They declined their spot on the national team. This is like a big hoopla and um, they've kind of been doing their own training. Of course, in the winter, they were traveling with the national team and everything. So that would have been another layer of interest had Sundling been in the position that Ilar was to be like, yeah, we're teammates. So, you haven't come to a single one of my training camps in the summer and fall, and now you want me to like ruin my chance to take on Sheestad? Like, sorry, babe, yeah, you're exactly. done. But that would have been a better story. But the reality is, uh, how it played out, it was, um I don't know, I it just, yeah. Look, I would have well, done the same thing. If, if Alex was going to win the Crystal Globe, I would have stopped taking my skis off, like, done anything. I'd take my race bib, off, like, do whatever I need to do. Uh, within within, like not impeding others to yeah. make Alex cross the line first. And I know he'd do the same for me. Like if I was in that position, and that's and that's uh, that's just how that's professional sports. I don't know.
0: Well, let's let's uh let's go to the second big highlight from the the women's sprint, yeah. which was like I got I'm getting on my high horse again, and I'm like on Sundling, I love you. You're like one of the most, and and you know her performance yesterday in the distance race. Like we'll get to that, but like. Sunling is like one of my favorite, if not my favorite athletes on the World Cup. But, like, okay, you tried two or three times in a row to beat Shestad from the front and by skiing away, and it didn't work. And guess what strategy Sunling tries again in Lati?
1: Yeah, I know. She tries to go from the front. And, but the thing is in Lati, that's just kind of weird, man. No, you're not you're shaking your head because you're like, you're disagreeing with me, but like that no. long corner is weird, and that 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 long corner at the back. But that said, that said, Sunling should trust that she's strong enough. But the fact of the matter is Nat, four wins in a row, dude, like like Shestad has won four sprints in the span of like eleven days. Like she can't stop, won't stop. Like Shestad is the next coming here. Like she is she's arrived. She's full of confidence. And her finishing kick in classic and skating, I mean, what do you do? This is a woman that is completely on fire and not just on fire in sprinting. It is so important to believe in yourself. And then that swagger she's got like some American swagger out there. She's got some like Petter nortug swagger a little bit out there knowing that it's like, I don't care who's going to come to the line with me. I'm going to undress you. And yeah, she didn't undress Sunling. It was another close finish, but uh, Sunling just wasn't strong enough. And she said, walks away with her fourth win in a row. Like what a great story. And, and uh, it'll be fun to follow this, to follow this story further because she said publicly that she's going to decline her spot on the, on the national team. Cause she's still like so pissed about what happened to her on the recruit team, where she felt that the, the B team, essentially the Norwegian B team, like ruined her development and set her back multiple years after she won world juniors in, um, in Lotte actually. Uh, so she, she felt like, yeah, she's really upset. So it'll be interesting to follow. But I think the two, the two coaches, the two new coaches in in Norway are doing like Shirola and uh, Kina are doing such an amazing job that I think it'd be, a, I think it'd be kind of silly of her to decline, but regardless, it'll be fun to follow that story. So
0: amazing. amazing She said, and yeah. I, I also wanted to like do a quick shout out. I don't know like if you were watching on NRK or <clears throat> on like an international feed or what, but like I don't know if you saw these interviews that Shestad was doing, and I I, I did think like you know we, we you should ask me some questions like really quickly about my weekend, and I could answer in the style of Shestad because it it just it it's hilarious. Like it just makes a mockery of this whole of this whole process. Like you know they're like they're like tell us about your race, and she's like well uh, I tried to go fast at the end and then they're like well cool what are you gonna do now that the season is over and she's like I will rest and that's no I know I know
1: these interviews are (laughs) tragic and like the but you know what's funny like even when Jeff Ellis was working for FIS and like was trying to do some interesting I, I honestly like I, I thought like the behind the fence kind of stuff like was a good idea that probably didn't get the traction it deserved because I thought it was a really, really good idea. And I think if they built off that, it could be could have been something really good. This is where they, they did like short kind of YouTube videos essentially of like following behind the scenes with certain teams and interviewing certain athletes. I thought it was a really cool idea. I thought the production was also really really good, actually, given the budget and everything. But the inner the post-race interview stuff, I, I just I don't know. Cross-country skiers need to watch other sports. I think <laughs> like, I mean, like <laughs> I realize you're talking in a foreign language, but the foreign language is English. Like you're not, you're not trying, they're not making you speak Mandarin here. Like everyone can speak English. Okay. Um, I agree a little bit more I mean, life. the I, 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 I totally agree. I, it, it, I, I, like ridiculous, but the questions at the finish line are also garbage too. Let's be honest.
0: Like there could be a little bit more. I don't know. I just, I'm not, I'm not even in like a critical mode because I'm like, if someone tried to interview me in Nor- Norwegian, I would be like, night. Yeah. Uh yeah. Quick lunch. Yeah. You're good. Yeah. Okay. Well, but
1: the um, other story to, to, to finish off with the sprint, other big stories for me is like, and I was going to try and save this to the end of it all. Like, uh, cause I wanted to ask, he was going to grill you like kind of rapid fire, like are like think about the season, think about like, <clears throat> Some storylines that really popped for you as we wrap this season up. And like, so I'm just bearing the lead, like Theater Vang, there is no chance. No part of me, zero part of me, would have called Theater Vang, has the yellow bib and is hoisting the big crystal globe at the end of the season. If you would have asked me in October, I would have been like, You're high. I don't care that weed's legal in Colorado. Stop smoking it. Theater Vang is most certainly not hoisting the Crystal Globe that's going to be Jesse Diggins or Frida Carlson. Like, that's what I would have said. No question. And the season that Tia lundes put together was the stuff of legend. And the fact that, speaking of underdogs, this is like, I think the biggest underdog story for a globe, like an overall World Cup globe winner in the history of the sport. I I, I stand by that. Like, that, this was a phenomenal season by Tia lundes on the World Cup. And she finishes it in such great style in a classic sprint like this to come third beating out like heavy hitters. I mean, she beat the, she beat the sprint globe winner. I mean, she, she beat dogfest who ends up fourth on the day. Like this is just such a, she beats Ribom who is, I know she's been out with being, being sick and missed a bunch of world cups and stuff, but still like this is a, this is an amazing performance by Thierry Lundsvang and what a deserving win by her um, for the overall world cup. And of course my heart breaks for Nadine Fenderick. I thought ninth place was like a great sprint from her in classic. And she had a super solid race. So, sorry, super solid season. And sorry, it, it held on for, it held on for uh second in the sprint standings, but hopefully she can take a lot of, hopefully she can take a lot of, um, uh, confidence from this moving forward. And then the Gim, I was, I've been following this, like we talked about this a little bit, but like the Gimler Kern battles, <laughs> uh Gimler just got on top of her a bit the German um uh 30 year old and she ended up 12th and and Kern ended up 15th but essentially it's the same Diggins in 16th and I don't know like I I just don't have a whole lot more to add other than the stories that we talked about I guess you want to talk about what happened to Rosie I don't know like it's feel like
0: no, I think, I think we've got three races to go. Uh, and so let's, let's, uh, let's move on to the, uh, the men.
1: Yeah. Well, and here's the thing, same thing. Like, like Claybo can beat you any which way to Sunday. And if he hasn't shown you that in the 16, 17 other world cups, he won prior to this race, then you've been sleeping. You've been falling asleep at the wheel. Um, Claybo is a outstanding uh, class by himself. He finds seconds and and speed that no one else can. And it was a masterclass, but Callie Halverson, man, Callie Halverson, the resurgence, like the comeback, the comeback award for the season. If Teodolunas Vang is the history of cross country skiing's biggest surprise (laughs) by winning the globe, Callie Halverson's comeback season that he's had and finishing it off in a sprint too. He's 34 years old and he was making a lot of good decisions out there in all his heats. And in the final, he made good decisions. And ends up second. What a a season that he's put together late in his career. I had written him off completely. And I had all the evidence I needed to write him off. Because the last two and a half years have been one big pile of hot garbage. It's like a bunch of diapers in New York City in August on fire in a dumpster. That's what Callie Halverson has been the last few years. And now this season... What a, what a crescent, what a way to finish it off. Amazing race by him. Valniss too. We talked about it a lot. Like I am just such a big fan of Valniss and, uh, I really broke my heart. What happened to him at the world championships when his ski exploded like that. And, and he had such a strong finish to the season, getting that last spot on the pole. Evan Nortug too, actually, this sounds funny. Cause like people are gonna be like, oh my God, like, why are we talking about Nortug? Of course he's good, dude. A late bloomer on the national team. The guy was on team telemarket team that I've been involved in for a number of years. And he he was on the regional squads in Norway. And this has been a long time in the making. And it's an amazing story. He finishes third in the sprint standings, in the sprint globe standings, Claybo wins, obviously. Sean comes second, which is really cool uh, for France. But like Evan Nortug finishes third. And like that is a phenomenal result when you think of the people that he beat. That have been like stalwarts on the Norwegian sprint team and Nortug, who you think because of his last name, oh, yeah, he's been on the sprint team forever. Like, no, he has not. And he put together a, just a phenomenal season. Harald Amundsen again, fifth place. This is like wonderful stuff. Classic sprint, like, this guy's blowing my mind. Like, I don't know how he's doing this in classroom, he's in obviously phenomenal shape. And, and cool to see Scar again in the final again after um <clears throat> a really uh really difficult season for scar other than the highlights in the kudoski but i thought the men's sprint was fun actually I, I i liked watching it
0: i uh yeah i i thought like both the men's and women's individual and and the team sprints but i mean we haven't really talked too much about the latte corner and just like how much absolute mayhem was going out there on this going on there out on this course like you know zach Ketterson, the american who qualified for the heats he broke a, a pole early on. We saw like just an insane number of crashes. Like, I think my favorite one was uh, I think it was in the semis. You saw Shapaz and Scar both crash on the corner, and somehow, like, they they both literally bounce off the ground almost like it was a trampoline and just like keep going and they're in the pack. And Scar somehow manages to to move on in into the finals after he like crashes on the second to last corner of the course Shippaz, was, It is incredible it's totally incredible and Shapaz, who seemingly takes every opportunity that he possibly can to sit down on the snow uh similar position except he he doesn't advance i also wanted to go back um so we saw a couple of disqualifications like there was a lot of skating yeah. that was happening uh both uh, simone mochelini from italy and Edwin Onger from Sweden were DQ'd and like Onger f- for a guy who is 2019, 20, 20, sorry, 20, 20 years old has had a absolutely fantastic season, but has come within a hair's breadth of the podium, like I know. countless times this year. I know. And then in the team sprint, in the team sprint, it was just like it looked by all accounts like he was going to finally be on the podium. And of course, he's fourth again. And but you got to imagine like what could be better for the motivation of like a twenty-year-old to to train his face off over the summer than like six sure. fourth places over the course of the year. So I just I really appreciated that. I mean, tough t- tough and tight field in. Lottie, we like JC Schoonmaker, uh, didn't qualify, like Graham Ritchie didn't qualify. Um, Tony made it in, which is
1: great, though. Ben Benny, Benny had like a solid outing. Like, I mean, it's so tight in Lottie, right? Like, it's just like they could have gone any which way for Benny. Um, but I thought it was a, another solid end of the season. I know we're used to seeing him in the semis or hopefully even in finals and stuff, but like, listen, it's been a long season for these guys and I thought he finished it off well and and great to see Tony, um, Antoine Sear back in the heats, of course, like that's, uh, that's always good. I think it is interesting though. Like I don't quite understand Well, I'm not their coaches and I don't know what they need to work on, but like guys like JC or, or big rich like Graham Ritchie, like, if you guys are leaning sprint, you have to, you have to go home, have fun, take a month off, go back country skiing or do whatever you're gonna do. But like think long and hard about like this qualification piece because these guys have both shown that they're really, really talented and amazingly good. But like this inconsistency in the qualification, like you you gotta nip this in the butt. Both those guys are young. And this is their time to figure it out. And they're strong enough and they have the capacity enough to do it consistently. And when they're at their best, especially JC is raced into semis like multiple times, like you are most certainly good enough. And it, it has to be like an outlier that you don't qualify. And I hope both those guys specifically can, can figure this out because like, Missing these qualifications in races like this. Yeah. Like we're nice. And we're saying like, oh, it's tight. They're just a little bit on the wrong side of this. Like it happens too often. And this is professional, a professional sport. And if these guys were like a hope and a prayer every once in a while to qualify, we could sing their praises. Like, wow, you're kind of like skiing outside of yourself to make it into the heats. Then that's one thing. But both the guys mentioned are amazing talents, hardworking and good enough them and their coaches and themselves have to figure this out. This shouldn't be that hard to do. And I hope next year that the conversion rates better because it should be.
0: Well, that, um, maybe move on to what was like a pretty great set of, uh, distance races. I thought, um, like maybe we just stick with the stick with the men for a second and talk about the, the. Mass start race that uh like yeah i don't know you want to start yeah sure i
1: mean like i love i love lati uh i love the courses i think they're tough i thought i thought also like a big shout out to the lati volunteers that pulled this race off because conditions looked uh difficult uh to to pull off the courses themselves like the lati is experiencing like a major meltdown a major spring meltout. The courses were very dirty. There wasn't as much snow as there usually is at this time of year. And given all those challenges, I I think the volunteers and the race organizers did a a wonderful job to pull these, pull these things off and, and allow fans like us to really enjoy some, some great racing in the sprint. I I also wanted to say like, I think it's cool. Although that Latte corner is a bit like of a sideshow and a bit weird, There is a bit of charm now because it's been so long. You know what I mean? The 2001 World Championships when Torana Hetland won the sprint there, uh, the first edition of, like, the championship Lati Corner. I much prefer the sprint course, though, honestly, than, like, some of the other other iterations where they were, like, going out and doing, like, flat lollipops and, like, just, like, we've tried – I've raced in Lati so many times. So we've we've done all these iterations, and they kind of landed on, like, you know what, the course we had in 2001 is the course we're going to kind of roll with. And and I kind of like it, honestly. So I, I, so I shout out to that. And in the distance race, you know, people tried every which way. Well, first of all, it was a comfort cruise for a while, as men's mass starts often are. And if you sat through the whole 20K, well, it was only 44 minutes. So they were moving pretty fast. And there's a lot of beautiful skiing. But if you thought that people were going to break away on this one of the last race of the year, you, <laughs> you were both sadly mistaken. And I hope not too disappointed because, yeah, this was pretty obvious it was going to end up like this but I I I just can't believe that Claybo can get the the amount of distance he does in such a short amount of time like he ends up winning by just over five seconds but the way he does it is like you blink and he's got seven seconds on people well like
0: 15 and then he spends like the last hundred meters of the race like you know waving and unbuckling his pole straps
1: yeah Yeah, exactly. So it was a masterclass by Klebo to finish a record-tying season for most World Cup wins in a single season. Um, If there was one more race, he would have broken the record, no question. But Paul Goldberg, I thought it was cool to see Paul back on the podium. What a season, like, number one and number two in the overall World Cup, finish off the season in style. Um, So wonderful performances there. And then, like, our our boy Porma in third, another podium for the young Swede. And, like, Calais is old he's 34 but like Poroma needs Edwin Anger super talent sprint focus though Poroma needs some people around him some young Swedes around him to like I hope that like a high tide lifts all boats kind of thing and that Poroma can inspire a lot of young Swede distance skiers to start building the new generation of Swedish powerhouses because Poroma's there and I hope he doesn't have to do it alone for the next five years kind of thing because that would be tragic. And so beautiful performance by him. I was cheering so hard for Mikael Gundelson, who I've trained with, raced with. I'm a good friends with him. Um, and he has been given so little opportunities. He actually broke his tibia and fibula, like in a cross-country ski accident.
0: He's, he's like I, the Rosie Brennan of Norwegian. He's the Rosie Brennan. of Yeah,
1: ski. exactly. Yeah, but exactly. But the Rosie Brennan of Norwegian men's cross-country skiing means you get like a chance here and there and like barely get chances on the world cup. His worst finish on the world cup is 11th, you know, which was last weekend. Um, so it was really cool, but, and, oh, my heart broke that he was so close to the podium and he has such a great sprint as well. Um, I really thought he was going to be able to gun down Porma and get that third place, but, but grace raced by him and, and fun to see. And then after that, it's just a sea of Norwegian flags, of course, but Tony, Tony, buddy, I like Tony <clears throat> Tony uh, delivers a, a, like a, just another phenomenal performance in master classic racing. And it has been a, such a fantastic season for Antoine year and to finish it off with another top 10 after the world championships didn't go his way after getting sick in his preparation phase. I mean, they went his way in the team sprint in the, the relay, but they didn't go his way in the individual races whatsoever and a uh, wonderful season. It's going to be super fun to cheer on Tony in, into the future, even beat the hometown hero, Ivo Niskanen uh, who had a really tough season with, with illness. So it'd be fun to see him back in action. And then of course, a little shout out to Olivier Levillier. He's He's 20th, which was um, you know, his best outing on the world cup this season. He had a, in the opposite of Tony who Tony had a, just a phenomenal season and really like <clears throat> took a big step up uh, in his level Olivier took a step down in his level this whole season and it just didn't go the way he wanted to. But he's a humongous talent with, uh, you don't meddle at World Juniors and uh, not be a a huge talent. So the future is bright for Olivier and it was really cool to see him finish his season on a high note too with with the season's best is all.
0: I, I wanted to also, you know, give, and, and maybe we get there, but give a shout out to Ben Ogden who, you know, finished 18th in this race. And I I was just shocked. I mean, he's been wearing that green bib all year, but to see how much he won that green bib by like 200 points over Peroma. And I just, I feel like, you know, Peroma has been on the podium multiple, uh, multiple times this season and just is like, everyone sees paroma as this wonderkind, next big thing and meanwhile ben ogden's out there you know blue collar gritting his teeth day after day i mean the dude goes home uh did, does he go home no he doesn't i guess he doesn't go home but he you know he only misses like a couple weekends of of racing i think he doesn't i think he does go home for a little he bit. went
1: home dude he went yeah.
0: home yeah yeah Like, and so misses, misses like a couple, couple weekends, but still like just completely slays the U23 category was like, you know, I think he never quite got on that sprint podium. Like he was hoping to this year, did not make a jump there, but made such a huge jump in his distance skiing. And I, you know, I think that's, I think it's, I think it's really exciting.
1: Yeah. And consistency, like this is what's so impressive for these young guys and, Ben is the quintessential example. Like he's consistent in distance skiing and in sprints and he's lifted his level. Yes. But it, it's more just like, it's so much easier to jump like the last two stairs of a staircase instead of sitting at the bottom of the staircase and like talking to your buddies and like flexing and be like, I can take the, la- I can just jump. 12 stairs, no problem. Like, I'm strong enough, like, bullshit, you're going to jump five stairs, trip, smash your teeth in, be a, like, crying heap at the bottom of the staircase for a couple years, and then you'll realize you just have to kind of, like, make your way up. Whereas, like, Ben is, like, like, he's not slow, but steady. He's young, but he's taking these big steps. But the consistency is just incredibly inspiring, incredibly impressive, and the fact that he does it in true, like, a Bruce Springsteen song, like, only he can understated while poroma is just like well now there's not dating frida carlson anymore but regardless like the guy's got like a dirty swedish stash long legs swedish podiums at world champs and and world cups has dated frida carlson and yet ben ogden beats him in the under 23 standings fantastic story so great season by ben and and again like he'll be a big leader we had him on the on the show not that long ago and um talked a little bit about this but like U S men are really knocking on the door and some great things are going to, great things are going to happen. Yeah. Can you hear that? No. Oh, really?
0: I was just playing some Springsteen, but yeah, I get
1: bored in the USA, but also no, was a great, great race, great race to finish the great race to finish finish it off. I thought it was awesome. And then the women, I mean, first of all, Oh, Anna Sheersty, I guess it's because I know her a bit and I know her the story and like the COVID stuff and the Olympics, missing the Olympics and like the whole deal. But like last race of the season, wins her first World Cup. I mean, the highs are high, baby, and the lows are low. Like she leaves the tour de to ski in great position with another positive COVID test so many questions about what you'll be able to do with the rest of the season, the world championships, the, the rest of the world cup season, and then like finishes it off in style. Not only that finishes it off in style, by beating Yana Sudling with, I might add two things, the filthiest skis maybe I've ever seen. Like Anna Schirstie's skis were <laughs> ridiculous. They have been ridiculous in the past and the Norwegian waxing team is insanely good, but like, it's not often you see a pair of skis, that much better than the field like Anna Schirstie had, but you know what? You got to have a good body to make those good skis work and well-deserved. And then some controversy with Anna Shirsti, of course, as you said, as you stated in the sprint and stuff with people getting DQ'd for skating and, uh, Teodor Pedersen, um, an ex Swedish sprinter and Olympic medalist. Um, you know, he's a works for Swedish television and has been an expert for the last couple of seasons. And he was quite, I wouldn't say upset, but he was quite sure that like Anna Shearsty should have been disqualified. Coming into the lati corner, he felt that he she she was skating using both her legs. And like, not to play the devil's advocate, but this is this is like the problem with cross-country skiing too, is like the rules. Like, I mean, they're so diffuse. Like, like, I I, I don't know. Like, was she skating? There's no tracks there. Like She's trying to hold her balance at the end of the race. Like my honest opinion in looking at, I've watched it a couple of times. It's like, I could see how someone could make the argument that it's borderline, but also she didn't win the race by skating away from everybody. Like, I I, I think like, I'm, I'm not surprised. I guess what I'm trying to say is like, in some ways I see what Taylor is saying that she's skating, but on the other side of the coin, I'm like, I could see why the jury sees that and is like, this is nothing. This is not a thing. So well, and like,
0: we're not going to like completely turn over the podium. It's like, you know, in baseball, the strike zone expands when one team is winning by 10 runs. You yeah. Know? Like,
1: yeah. Yeah.
0: That's the point of having a jury. If it was just, the rules being the rules, you know, we could just do it all with a computer system. So uh, yeah. Yeah. But
1: even, even in that, like, it's, it's more just like the way these courses are set. And I, I, again, like I have nothing but good things to say about the lot. These courses are always, they do such a wonderful job. The volunteer, everyone's doing a great job. I 100% agree. This is not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that lo- the way Lati set the course was wrong. Cause I would have set the course 100% like Lati. but the, the fact of the matter is it's a mass start. There's a lot of bodies. You're coming into a Hill with a hairpin corner. There's no tracks. You scrub the tracks. Like, I just don't see this as a big deal. I don't know. I, I don't know. I, yeah. I, yeah. So amazing race. uh, wonderful win. Sundling in second, like great finish again, and distance skiing. Like you said, cool to see Henning in third too. Hey, like what a great classic skier. What a great way to w- finish the season. And then like, Ebba Anderson, who has just had a phenomenal season that has been, like, she's been rocked by illness, too. Like, there's been a lot of illness. been a lot of respiratory illness on the World Cup this season. And um, Ebba Anderson got caught up in that as well. And that was too bad to see finishes in fourth, which was – I mean, it's all right there. It was just a finishing sprint. But Kiritu Niskanen secures the distance globe for Finland. And you saw how much it meant to her too, and I, of course it does because this is a humongous achievement. And now her brother has won the distance globe, and she's won the distance globe now too. Uh, it, what a great season by Kirtu Niskin, and a little bit like Callie Halverson, although I can't really say that she was so good in Beijing. She almost did the upset of the century by beating almost beating Tadeusz Hug in the 10 classic. show. she she has been good when she's been good, but again with consistency, what Kirtu did this whole season, hats off, so good for the sport. So fun to see her deliver, uh, from start to finish. And I mean, like in doing so in this race, you know, like beating a Frida Carlson who, yeah, maybe ran out of ran out of steam a little bit at the end of the season also got sick after the world championships, that sort of thing. But I mean, a great season by by Frida Carlson and a lot of other uh, metrics too. So I thought it was a I thought it was a super fun race. So again, like I thought the women's race was also super fun. I actually, like always, I, I personally, I thought the women's race was more exciting to watch. Totally. Uh, than the men because they're trying and they're getting these gaps, and like, but the cool thing about this this race for me for the women was like they were getting these gaps, that sort of thing, but they, they were like select groups. I felt like I was watching a classics, uh bike race, you know what I mean? Where you get these like group of six that get a breakaway, but then the next group behind is like big names in that group chasing down. You know, you've got like Heidi Vang like fighting it out in that in that chase group, Parmakowski you know, Ingveld's in there too with Eli. It was just like, it was a, there was a lot of fun storylines. It was a lot of fun races to watch. And uh, yeah. Was I surprised to see Jesse in 22nd and classic at the end of the season? Absolutely not. Hard conditions. Like, I mean, no, not, but a great season by Jesse and not just great season. That's just such an understatement. She's the world champion in individual race. Like it's not just a great season. It's Yeah by by a lot of metrics the best season of her entire career because winning when everyone else wants to win is yeah it's only one day but man it's not just one day it, it's the day everybody wants to to deliver on and and the people she had to beat to to get that medal you know like an like an on form eva anderson a frida carlson in good shape like these are like the whole norwegian women's team which has been standout this whole season like it was phenomenal season by Jesse Diggins and 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 Rosie as we said who also had a tough day uh in the in the 20k
0: yeah I mean I felt like we we kind of saw the American team peter out a little bit at, at the end of the season um just like and and I'm totally sympathetic to that like it's they the focus I think for the Americans on the championships I mean everyone has it but I think in America like you can't overstate that and um you know it just felt like there was a, a little bit of like zest missing um in these last couple of weeks and then i i really i wanted to talk just a little bit and you know i think maybe we get into this during the off season during the 10 episodes we have planned that'll be boiled down into one but um i you know haley swerble announced her retirement yeah. after uh after the the distance race in, in lati and you know, we saw Hunter, Hunter Wonders also announced his retirement after, uh, after racing in Holman And I just like, I, I think it's so interesting seeing what's happening with some of these American skiers. Like we it's, it's, it's wonders and swerble this year, last year we saw Catherine Ogden or maybe that was the year before, but also Hannah Halverson who had been to the Olympics and was like 22 had been through this incredible recovery after this, this car crash. And like those four athletes, like the loss of talent and potential to the U S you know, team and, and kind of pool there. It's like, it's, I I would imagine that folks that are looking to the future of U S skiing, like five years from now, 2026 and 2030 are privately a little devastated by this. And I, you know, I don't I think these athletes need to do what's best for them. And I'm not going to like quibble with the decisions at all, but I I think it should be a real warning sign to this, these like systems and the U S ski team and clubs in in the U S that like, if we're losing athletes like this athletes that have like stood on podiums at, at world junior championships, what do we need to be, what do we need to do to make this sport, work for them? Um, you know, and like, that's a tough question because I feel like in the past, it's almost been, you know, certainly like some of the coaches that I grew up like working with, it's like athletes needed to figure out ways to work within the system. And I think now it's like, if, if we want to keep athletes like these, there's gotta be, I don't know. I mean, I think it also connects back to like COVID and just kind of some of the misery that athletes in Europe were experiencing over the past, few years, not being able to socialize and have very much fun and feel like they were getting a lot out of the sport aside from the sport itself. But, uh, I don't know. I mean, I think it'd be an interesting topic for a conversation during the off season, but it, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm just like kind of looking at this and being like, man, this is, I, I totally get it. And I'd probably be doing the same thing if I were any in any of their shoes, but it's also, what are we going to talk about?
1: Yeah. On the no, podcast. I- <laughs> No, but I, I, I was also really like both those, uh, names you just said this year. Like I was, I was shocked. Like Haley Swerble is 24 years old, you know, Hunter wonders too. Like these are huge talents that like, and and now this is going to be like a bit of tough love actually, but like, I'm sorry, you did not achieve your potential. Both those athletes, both those athletes are quit, are like quitting the sport, leaving the sport. Um, having not achieved their potential, and that's fine. Like you can make any decisions you want in life, and I have no idea what's going on in in their life to make these decisions, of course. and like, uh, uh you know, they're gonna have amazing lives and stuff like that, but it's just it's it's like you said for a, from a program's perspective, it's like you did a lot of the work, you know what I mean? Like you did a lot of the development work was done and now before you get paid for all that hard work you're done and that's that's yeah i agree with you i totally agree with you i think financial models are tough this has always been a struggle in in north america um in the u.s maybe even more so than canada actually um but it's it's a tough financial model to work through it's also societal pressure like i i feel like this is always, this is something that cross country skiing has been up against for a long time. It's like, it's hard to make enough money. It's hard to have a life, but it's also like the social pressure from behind. Like, when are you going to get a job? Are you going to like, some of these athletes have, have degrees and stuff already, or some have started, like, are you going to finish your education? Are you going to do all this? Like, what about, like, you got to save for retirement. Don't you want to buy a house? Like people don't view high level sport endurance sport, I should say, uh, the same way as they do here in Norway, for example, Where like in Norway, it's like, yeah, yeah. Go to school at the same time, work part-time if you want, but like, dude, you have a dream and you want to be the best in the world. Like, yeah, go for it. And you have like, there's like a real support from like all, all angles where people are like, yeah, this is awesome. Like do it. This is great. Whereas like in North America and, and especially it's like, so, uh, are you done playing here? Like, when are you going to like, you know, settle down and like, Buy a SUV and where do you leave your dog if you're out traveling in Europe and stuff? And then the same thing as what you were saying about like how COVID was horrendous for everybody and professional athletes, most certainly, especially professional athletes from North America that are traveling. But like, so I get that, and and this is the challenge always for North Americans is like thriving in Europe because this is a European-based sport and the tough answer to me is, well, Haley and Hunter, you were good skiers, but you weren't great skiers and you just weren't good enough. You weren't good enough to do it. Like, what can you say? Whereas like Jesse has that something special and is good enough to handle the pressures of traveling in Europe year after year after year, and also having fun, making it fun and delivering same with Alex Harvey, same, same with a lot of athletes. And it's like, I'm not saying you're not good enough as a like you didn't have enough talent. That's not what I'm saying. But you just you couldn't handle the demands of what the sport truly is. And not everyone can. And that's fine.
0: And and I, I'm going to butt in there sweet. because I think I mean, I just would put it differently. It's like, yeah, it's no, not that, that was a like, handle that it. was it's good like you know, it's like, well, no,
1: no, no, actually, no, I'm going to I'm going to push back on that you couldn't handle it you couldn't like there's these are demands and you felt like you were being pulled in other demands and this just wasn't speaking to you anymore and that's fine you leave like you shouldn't do stuff that's not speaking to you anymore but but you, we can't say 24 year old athletes are leaving the sport with with a ton of with a ton of talent left on the table and said that they were
0: thriving in the environment it's not true i know, and i think that is true but it's like Ultimately, it's a choice, and I I mean, I don't know. Like, I could see myself being in their shoes. Like, I mean, Haley Swirbul, like, holy smokes, you talk about potential. I mean, you know, her brother's a professional bike racer. Like, just, you know, it.
1: She has a podium in the World Cup, individual the
0: World Cup. Like, so, so much excitement there. But also, like, I don't know. I, I it's. I think. I think it's unfair to the athletes. Unfair to the sport. To characterize it as sort of a failure I think it's no, fair it's to say a failure. that, that yeah, it's I, like, I
1: guess I, I guess I did define it as a and, failure
0: and I and, I, and, I, and I think it's pressure. like what it is that. what it is is these athletes are making a choice that and I think that's got to be a really hard thing to do is I mean absolutely Hunter and Haley and Catherine Ogden and Hannah Halverson are leaving potential on the table but they're looking at what okay that's all stuff that they can bring to the sport but like what is the sport giving back to them and I, I can agree. totally understand like you look at what your your next five years and you say what am I going to get out of this and what do I have to give up and I'm going to make a choice not to give up the things that I'm asked to give up exactly. and find fulfillment in different ways and I think yeah. I mean objectively that is a huge disappointment for me as a cross-country ski fan but as a human being I completely Sports. respect that choice, Sports. and I think uh, so. It, to me, it's like it's a challenge to the folks in positions of power in this sport to look at this situation and say, "What could we have done? What could we have offered differently to these athletes to make that choice of continuing and skiing more appealing?" And, but don't I mean,
1: don't. But, but here's 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 my pushback. I guess what I'm saying, like, so I guess like my my out for that is is I I almost think like but is it Grover or USSA or clubs or is it society? Totally. Like, are, they I mean, getting, like, push, are they getting pushed by American society to saying like, quit putting on your spandies and traveling the world, spending all this money or like not making money. Like look at your cohorts. They're graduating university, like college. They're getting jobs. They're, they're starting their life. They're going to want to start families and they're all gonna wake up at 40 with a midlife crisis. And you could have avoided that if you were digging it. I'm just but, kidding. I'm well, and, 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 and I'm I think that's that.
0: like, that's a legitimate question, but I think from my perspective, and I, I think it, we should hear from these athletes, like we should hear, maybe we get Hunter and Haley to come yeah, on the show together. Be, but my, I mean, my impression is like, it's not so much, I, I think that's a part of it. And like, you know, not getting health insurance, not making any money, not doing anything sort of from a societal perspective, constructive with your degree. But I also just think it's like, it does take a special kind of like, like from these are like smart kids and like Hunter is a a guy who, you know, drives a truck around Alaska, wants to go hunting, wants to go fishing. And, you know, it's, it's, it's not like, that's not, that's not making a paycheck. That's not, you know, fulfilling necessarily uh, conventional societal it's like, it's like you, you have to give up living a, a well-rounded and well-balanced and like intellectually yeah. stimulating yeah. life and, to a certain and here,
1: point. Yeah. But here's what I'm going to bust in on to be yeah. great, to be great in anything fucking newsflash. You're going to have to make tough choices to be great. Like that's the, you want to win a Nobel prize in something you want to have like a mind blowing discovery in physics you're not, you're not having this nice, well-balanced life. Are you crazy? You're giving every single molecule of yourself to the cause. If you want to be the best skier in the world, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to say like, it looks really glamorous. It looks like, yeah, Claybo is traveling in the spring to like the South of France and like drinking Alizé with his beautiful girlfriend and like living like, no, no man. He's, wearing a mask, not seeing his friends. He's giving everything he has for this cause. And you know what? The payoff is when you have a great support network around you, you have an immense amount of talent, and you have an iron will and, and desire to be the best. Every once in a while, you can catch lightning in a bottle, and you're the best skier that ever lived, like Claybo is right now. Most aren't that. But the fact of the matter is, like, if you want to be like this great life, have it, have it chill, hang out with the friends, like go hunting, going on a hunting trips, doing all this stuff like that. Sweet. But then when you open your mouth and you say, I want to be the best skier in the world too. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. It's not going to happen. Like it, you can have fun. I went back under skiing all my, like did ton, climbing, like tons of stuff. I was never the best skier in the world though. I was for th- like three individual days or whatever, but like I was never the best skier in the world. And, and Do you know what I mean? There is choices you have to make in life if you want to be the best. And if that's, I guess that's kind of like defending my like flippant comment 10 minutes ago by saying like, it just wasn't for them and to be the best, like, like Jesse, I know she like sprays all over social media about like missing your family and like that sort of stuff, but it's true. And it takes a special person to be like, I'm married to a man that I just married that I'm completely in love with. And I am not with him. Like not only am I not with him, my whole brain and mind is like, I'm in this. I am in this to win this, and it takes a special person. I was never even one tenth of the athlete it's... mentally that Jesse was. I and I, mean,
0: and I want to be totally honest about this because, like, I think this is why this conversation is interesting. It's like I don't want to be that person. And I don't know if I like, you know, those are not even, I'm not even sure those are the people that like, I most want to be around, like, as my friends, in life. you know, and it's of like, I'm, I'm coming from the perspective of like, you know, I definitely was never anything. I couldn't even like, you know, I barely made the travel team my senior year at Bowdoin College, which, you know, if anyone knows anything about East Coast skiing, like that was not an accomplishment. But then like, you know, coming from my professional life, it's like, I've had some opportunities to like the, like quote unquote advance in my career. And it's like every time I've said no, because I don't want my job to be like my career and being the very best. Like I just want to be pretty good and also like live a well-balanced life and enjoy totally. that. And, and like, from my perspective, my values are, are that. And so I think I'm like sympathetic to people that are saying, I don't want this like monomaniacal. Oh, for sure. Me too. Focus. Like
1: hundred percent. Like I, I don't get me wrong. Like I have a hundred percent understanding, but the, I guess one other thing on this, like just to take the vein a little further is like, don't for a second think that Jesse's not having the best time doing this. Like Alex Harvey, I mean, Alex Harvey won the 50 K at the world championships in 2017. He's one of my best friends in the world. He's the best Canadian cross country skier that ever lived by like quite a large factor. Yes. Even against Becky Scott or Chandra Crawford or his dad or whatever. And the fact of the matter is, man, he loved it. He loved it with everything. Same with that physicist stuck in that l- neutrino lab, just loves it. That particle accelerator is like, there's nothing better. Like I go to the medical school like just five minutes from here and like some immunologist is researching like natural killer cells like whoopity like this is like what are you doing with your life and the sparkle in his eye like he can't look you in the eye because his head is in the clouds but like when he starts talking about like the like what natural killer cells can do it's like it's like the big bang is happening in front of, he is so pumped about it. You know what I mean? Like there's so much matter that's just getting sucked into the room and just ready to explode because it's everything to him. And like, so these people that are winning or, or not just winning, cause you, there's different ways to win, right? Like there's Petter Nortug, you know, yes, you talked with them with, with your New York times piece. And yeah, he was living like a monk, but he also won in Falloon having not lived like a monk for a number of years as well. So like, I'm not saying all road, that you have to take one road to Rome to win. You don't. But that said, when you're faced with these conversations at 24 or 22 or whatever, and you're like, okay, I, I feel like I got what I wanted out of the sport. I'm saying, great. That's awesome. Have a great life. Have that balanced life that you were hoping for. But I'm also saying like, Yeah, maybe it was the community that didn't support you enough, or maybe it was like society that was giving too much pressure. But at the end of the day, like sport's a meritocracy and the cream does rise to the top, really. I'm sorry to say, like, and maybe it just wasn't for you. Maybe it just wasn't in the wasn't written that you were gonna be a true great in the sport. You'll be you were pretty good. And you know what? Most people don't get to be pretty good (laughs) in anything. So you you achieve like so much, but like if we're going to start stacking against the best i think it leaves something to be desired i, I really do and i think these are super fascinating conversations to have it would be great to have like a perspective with like grover you know what i mean like get uh, chris grover on who runs the us ski team and, and just talk to him a little bit about that i and and of course Haley or, or hunter of course, i'd love to have a discussion with that i think the the Catherine Ogden thing like we talked with ben a little bit before and then she's been so wonderful with um the article she's written about her journey that that makes a lot of sense like if you're feeling like this is affecting your like mental health and more importantly like you're feeling like a lot of and it's just the the fun, that fun that I told you about, like Alex Harvey, like waking up every day and just like, can't believe how excited that kid is every day. He's waking up in like some shitty hotel and like, we're going to eat some crap breakfast. And he's just like, yeah, buddy, like I'm living my best life. And I, I, I didn't have that. You know what I mean? So I get it. You Like if you, if you're not having that and you're 21, 22 and you have a Dartmouth degree, like I I totally get it. But but um, it does make for interesting discussions when people with so much potential from the outside leave. But of course, everyone has to live their life and everyone has to like, you know, the, the, the adage I live by, like you, we all got to sleep in the beds we make. You know what I mean? When you leave the sport uh, in your early 20s, you will, you will, those are the decisions you make and you will live with those decisions for the rest of your life and make the life you want to live. And if, it, if this ski life isn't the life you want to live, god damn like don't do it you know but it's just i like the the metaphysical or like the more like philosophizing of like why why are people with such talent feeling like this isn't for them and and yeah my like I just to recap like my gut would be that it's a societal thing but but uh in north america because it's just a different culture man it's just a different culture in north america than it is in in europe
0: I'm I'm sure the pickled herring at the hotel in Overstorf, which, you know, I sampled on my one journey to the Tour de Ski, that can't help things. Um, yeah. So, well,
1: then um, we, we got to wrap this up because this is epic. And we didn't even get to like, you know what, we're not going to do it for a couple of weeks probably. But like, I would like to come together and maybe we'll get like some friends on the podcast, Alex and like someone else, like kind of like a round table. Because I really would like, like kind of like everyone to think about like the top five moments for the World Cup for them. We could all like, or like top three moments in the world cup and then just have a little discussion. Cause like they're <clears throat> getting back onto the ski topic. As we wrap this up, it's like, there is just some hilarious things that happened, like ridiculous. Um, and there's some amazing performances that would be really fun to reminisce with and talk about. So people that are listening, uh, to the podcast, uh, drop something. So the, <laughs> our producers did going to have to have a hell of a job taking that out but um uh even our listeners if uh, you still feel the the stoke um you know send us an email what were your top highlights for the season uh what what surprised you or, or what what do you want to rant about is that's always good we lost one listener because we were too negative with men skiing but good riddance for him we didn't need him anyway uh but that that's fine too um no, so but anyway it's just like highlights of the world cup season uh, I've got a lot that I'd like to talk about. We're not going to do it now because we went on that other tangent, which I thought was really fun.
0: So totally, yeah. Well, we'll. Uh, I think we'll we'll come up with a plan. You know, I know I feel like we disappointed folks a little bit, or or maybe not uh, last summer with the like. Oh, early- we got some
1: hate mail. We got some hate mail about it. We disappointed <laughs> folks. People were pissed. Like, that's. Yeah. that's-
0: <laughs> but but we'll you know we're 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 just we're taking baby steps toward being increasingly legit. Like you know we were J twos last year. Now we're J ones, and you know we might get to like full u23 status or something next year so um but it's we'll been quit. and we'll quit
1: and go fishing baby <laughs> no, <just> totally kidding. <laughs> totally
0: it's uh it's been quite a ride this season uh I feel like, you know we've really had some ups and some downs um you know my skis were good the whole time i want to thank the techs i do want to thank the producer dave emmert uh who's cool. been you know really improving the quality yes. things around here and uh matt bojan the the publisher fasters here who you know keeps the keeps the wheels on this uh on this bus and uh yeah, I think that that should wrap it up. But we'll we'll be back. Uh, I think in less time than it took us to get back last year. How about that? For sure.
1: And maybe we we make a goal of like like I said, having a quick one in not so so long, but it's going to be a couple weeks at least. It'll be at least two weeks uh, or more um, of like just like but just like highlights of the World Cup season it, because it was uh, there was yeah there's some great stories. We can go from there. And then of yeah. course like we had, we had some great suggestions from guests. Uh, people that you'd like us to talk with and that sort of stuff. We we're always open for the emails about um, suggestions and and maybe the conversations that you'd like to see happen. And Bill, we're going to finish where we started. I'm so sorry. (laughs) I still laugh. I'm so sorry that you, you suggested the men and women race the 50 K at the same day. And I, uh, yeah, Uh, I I too am laughing. So I just wanted to finish where we started with that.
0: Cool. We'll we'll be back. Uh, We'll be back soon. Uh, Thanks. Thank you, Nat. Thanks for sticking with us. We'll be back.